Good morning, St. James's Church, uh, and welcome to our Bible readings and our sermon this morning. Our first reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 62, and verses 1 to 5. That's Isaiah 62, verses 1 to 5. Because I love Zion, I will not keep still. Because my heart yearns for Jerusalem, I cannot remain silent. I will not stop praying for her until her righteousness shines like the dawn and her salvation blazes like a burning torch. The nations will see your righteousness. World leaders will be blinded by your glory and you will be given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. The Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see a splendid crown in the hand of God. Never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. For the Lord delights in you and will claim you as his bride. Your children will commit themselves to you, O Jerusalem, just as a young man commits himself to his bride. Then God will rejoice over you as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Gospel reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 2 and verses 1 to 11. And it tells of the wedding at Cana. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone's had a lot to drink, he brings out the less, less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let's pray and ask for God's help as we look at his word together. Almighty God, thank you that you are always with us. and We thank you for the gift of your holy word. Would you please fill us again with your spirit and lead us into your truth today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the big question that I have to ask you is, what do you do when something has gone wrong? Okay, now, I ask that because uh, it helps us reflect on our readings, which uh, are occasions when something has gone wrong for the people involved. But <coughs> the wider story for us at the moment is, well, if you're Boris Johnson, things have gone wrong. Uh, after weeks of denying that there were parties, there is now undeniable proof that there was parties. There has been an apology of sorts. 
about said parties while the rest of us were in lockdown. Um, and so it's interesting to think about what, what is Boris Johnson doing? What should Boris Johnson do now uh, as that goes wrong for him and there are, there are reactions from, well, pretty much everybody? I'll start with myself because that seems fair. Um, I mean, honestly, things go wrong for me quite a lot. Um and so I'm spoiled for choice. But for the purposes of today, I thought we'd we'd go with stuff that's not controversial and that uh, no one can ask Ali about. Uh, so back when I was oh, probably about 12, uh, I quite liked American wrestling. Uh, the fact that you know, all the kind of the jumping, the kind of the elbows, the costumes, all of that stuff. Uh, there was a, a wrestler called the British Bulldog, who was my favourite for... Uh, a fair old while. But the important thing for this story is that um, I had a I slept in a bunk bed. So you couldn't jump on my bed because you couldn't stand up on my bed. My parents, on the other hand, they had a lovely double bed uh, that had lots of space and was very bouncy. And, uh, I, you know, I did rough and tumble games on there with my parents, had done since I was small. Um, and on one occasion, they were out, and I was in the house by myself. And um, there was a wrestling move called the Big Splash, where someone would climb up onto the corner ropes and then jump off like this and then land smack uh, on the person who was lying in the middle of the ring. Uh, and that would always inevitably be the end of the whole bout. Uh, it always looked fantastic, it looked lots of fun. So uh, my parents had a filing cabinet, not a big filing cabinet, but they had a filing cabinet in their bedroom for their papers. <coughs> and this was perfect for uh, crawling onto and then leaping off of and doing a big splash onto the bed. Uh, and it was great fun. I did this uh, four or five times. Um, and each time I get a little bit higher and... Um, and yeah, having a whale of a time. On the sixth time, I landed on the bed and the whole bed shifted. Um, and as I, I rolled off the bed with a sinking feeling, I realised that the leg under the bed had just snapped under the continual pressure of a 12-year-old me landing on top of it and pushing the mattress that way. So it just snapped and fallen over. So what do you do in that situation? Well, if you're 12-year-old me, um, you lift up the bed, you straighten the uh, the leg, and then you go and do something else, and you hope that no one notices. Um, yeah, That worked for about, well, uh, until my parents sat down on their bed to take their socks off when they got home, uh, and the whole thing collapsed under them. And they were very uh, polite in the questions that they asked me. Um, but my first response was to deny all knowledge. Uh, my second was to say, oh, maybe when I was walking around the room, uh, I tripped and I, I, I fell on that corner of the bed. Uh, and maybe that maybe that snapped the leg of the bed. Oh, God. Anyway, uh, need to say it, it was obvious that it was me, that it was my fault. Uh, there was a considerable amount of trouble. 
But it does. It did make me think as I was looking at this sermon. When something goes wrong, there is there are so many options we have before we go for telling the truth uh, and asking for help. So if we look at our uh, our Bible readings, you have the uh, the wedding at Cana. Now in this you have a wedding. Jesus is there, the disciples are there, and they run out of wine. Now, in the account that we're given, um, John just says, Mary comes to Jesus saying, they have no more wine. But I'm thinking, that's not, that's not the whole story, is it? So someone's noticed the wine's running low. Someone has told someone else the wine is running low. They've then gone and told someone who's in, in charge, the wine is running really low. And so I think the first response would have been someone going, no, it'll be fine. No, no, it, it, it's fine. Or maybe there's a kind of add, add a bit of water to it, just kind of, you know, make it stretch a little bit. Uh, and there might have been a, a number of steps before you get to the sheer panic of we're hosting a wedding for the whole village and we're going to run out of wine. It's never happened at anyone else's wedding. We will be known forever as the family who ran out of wine. Uh, people will look at our uh, our daughter, our son's marriage, and think that that oh well that that can't have God's blessing because they ran out of wine. There's all sorts of what do we do? And so someone has spoken to someone who's spoken to someone who's, some say, who's either said something to Mary or Mary has overheard. And Mary goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, they're running out of wine. Uh, and I, I love Jesus' response, which is, what's it got to do with us? This, this is not my problem. And um, as any uh, good, loving mother does, Mary ignores Jesus and turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. So you've got this sense that something has gone wrong. And whatever goes on behind the scenes, we reach the point where they have to admit it quietly to Mary. And Mary says, that's OK, I'll tell my son. I don't know if they thought maybe Jesus was a, a wine merchant or somehow he had a couple of barrels back at his house that he could go and fetch or whatever. But when he gives orders, they listen and they do what he says. Now, in the uh, the Isaiah reading, which I absolutely love, this is, um, we think, talking about the time when Israel has gone into exile. So Israel has utterly failed. And in fact, we've got... Uh, all these books of prophecy where prophets are speaking to the people of Israel saying you are messing this up you've gone away from God you're not keeping his commands you're not fulfilling your purpose as being a light to the nations and unless you turn around he's going to have to do something drastic he's going to have to just stop you in your tracks please you need to listen and they don't. In fact, uh, in the book of Jeremiah, you see Jeremiah going and saying, 
you have a problem, you are not following God, you've gone away from God. And literally the, the king of Israel saying, la, 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 and pillaring uh, Jeremiah, not listen to him, listen to other voices instead going, it's not true. It's not true. We are fine. There is no problem. And they say that right up to the point where the Babylonian army comes and destroys Jerusalem and takes all the best and the brightest and takes them into exile in another country. So Jerusalem is destroyed. It has no walls. It is useless as a city. And so you have our uh, passage in Isaiah talking about the future, talking about what will happen saying, uh, never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. So this is uh, someone praying for Israel. But Israel is in a an awful mess. And it's interesting that what they're doing is not denying the problem. They're not saying that it's not forsaken. They're not saying that it's not desolate. That is what what it's being described at by people. That's what it is called uh, by other people. Instead, the person is calling out to God and saying, God, I'm going to pray for Zion. I'm going to pray for Israel. I want you to do for Jerusalem what you have always said that you will do for them. I want you to keep your promise to your people and to come and make Jerusalem this this jewel, this gem, this thing that, that shines for everyone else to see. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, my example from when I was a child and I had no responsibility and so it was all just about keeping out of trouble. But actually, now as an adult, something goes wrong or I make a mistake, there are consequences. There are things that we have to, we either fix or we kind of, we ignore and try and live in spite of. And actually, we're talking about our current situation. We're living in pandemic. It's been like, what, two years now? Church still isn't what it was before. We don't have our four services on a Sunday. Um, we only started singing again with our masks um, in the, just in the run up towards Christmas. We don't have those things that formerly we love to have. Those things that attracted us um, to being together at St. James, that they're not there. Now, for me, as vicar, uh, I've got some options. I can deny there's a problem. I say, no, nah, this is fine. There's, what's the issue? There's, there's, no, there's no issue. Or um, I could blame other people. Like, so, oh, maybe it was my brother. <laughs> or uh, in, in the case of churches, you say, oh, it's, it's the bishop. The bishop has put, laid rules down and we have to do uh, what the bishop says. It's the bishop's fault. Or maybe um, 
what we do is to say we try and do a quick fix. If we just do um, this, then it, it, it'll be like before and, and everything will be okay. Uh, we'll just, we'll just, um, uh, what, what does everyone want? Okay, can, how, do, how do we get what everyone wants happening as soon as possible and then everything will be fine? And it's, it was really interesting for me to look at both these passages because what they do is neither of them deny the problem, both of them say, this is awful. But actually both of them, they give responsibility straight to God. For the wedding in Cana, Mary finds out, talks to Jesus, and then tells everyone, do exactly what Jesus says. And Jesus says, well, okay, fill up the jars. Fill the, those enormous wheelie bin sized jars, ceremonial washing, fill them with water. And then dip in and take it to the master of ceremonies. Similarly, um, the, the, the preacher in uh, Isaiah 62 is just going to pray and say, God, I cannot remain silent. I will not stop praying for Jerusalem until her righteousness shines like the dawn and her salvation blazes like a burning torch. God, would you come and do this thing? Would you uh, honour yourself? You need to do this because this is who you are. This is who we are. We are your people. Jerusalem is your city. So will you please just do what you have said that you will do? Now, you know, as always, I'm speaking into uh, my laptop. I don't know your situation. I don't know what you're struggling with. I, I do know the situation with St. James. I, I do know um, that that is a struggle, that that is difficult for people. That it's not everything is all over the place. And on top of that, we can't worship together in the way that we've drawn strength from in the past. And there are so many different ways we can respond to that. But the biblical response is to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, we have no more wine. Jesus, we don't have what we need. And then we have to just follow Mary's advice, where she says, do exactly what he says. That's why we had um, that that week of fasting and prayer, where we went to God and said, God, we need you to act. We need you to show us what we are to do. Uh, and what we've done is we've we've opened things up. We've started to worship. We've continued as one group as one service and on a Sunday morning uh, we sing in our different languages um, albeit just one or two songs but that we, we all join in uh, we pray from our seats in the language of our hearts so we pray for Alberton we pray for the world we pray for each other but we pray in the language that 
that we know best. And when someone prays in a language that we don't understand, when they finish, we say Amen. Because we trust that uh, what they have said uh, is good and it's godly. And well, even if it wasn't, what's God, God's, what's God going to do? He's not going to answer a prayer that's not in line with his own will. And then we have communion where the liturgy is translated and everyone responds in English or in Hindi or in Tamil. And we do that together. Now, there is a question for PCC uh, as they meet a week on Monday about whether there is space uh, later on on the Sunday to have uh, more sung worship. But that's something we have to weigh and consider because we can't do uh, a service at 10.30 and then sung worship in one language at uh, 12 sung language in a different language at two in a different language at four because all of those particles all of that air we, we can't clean the building in time between our different services we can have two acts of worship at the moment as a maximum so what what's the wise course what is Jesus asking us to do I think for all of us, the question is, are we listening? Are we praying for St. James? Because, yes, it's not, it's not what we all hoped for. It's not what we want. But it's also, it's not forever. And actually, it's, well, the honest truth is, that as a vicar, we get no training on restarting worship after a pandemic. This was never envisaged back when we were at college. But what we were trained in was praying, listening to Jesus, saying, Jesus, what will you do? What are your instructions? What do we do now? And as a as a family, as a, a church community, it works when we are all following Jesus' instructions because he will set one part of the body doing one job, one part of the body doing a different job. And they, those different jobs will complement each other. We don't expect people to be involved in uh, stay and play and English classes and midweek communion and healing on the streets and Zoom prayer meetings. It's, you all have lives outside of this. You have people that you meet who are not Christian. <clears throat> you have shopping to do and uh, a living to earn. But the question is, as you pray for St. James, as you pray for to God each day, uh, our Father in heaven, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. What is Jesus asking you to do? What are his instructions? I will be honest with you, um, as things are different uh, and as we run into uh, different struggles and issues, uh, I, as much as anyone else, will often try to just A, ignore a problem, B, get frustrated and blame other people 
um, and get all angry and, and stressed out before I even think about going to God and saying, God, can you can you do this? Can you fix this? Can you help us? So in this week to come, I just encourage you to pray uh, for St. James in the same way that uh, the prophet Isaiah prays. If we read Isaiah 62, but uh, replace Zion for uh, for St. James for Alperton. They say, because I love Alperton, I will not keep still. Because my heart yearns for St. James, I cannot remain silent. I will not stop praying for her until her righteousness shines like the dawn and her salvation blazes like a burning torch. As we grow, as we recover, we do that by God's work in us. We do that by the move of his Holy Spirit. It's not about having the right ideas. It's not about having enough money. It's simply about being obedient, praying, hearing what Jesus says and doing what he tells us. Let's pray uh, and invite him to share with us this coming week what he wants us to do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you that all honour and glory and power and wisdom and strength belongs to you. Lord, we confess the limits of our own understanding the limits of what we are able to uh, conceive and imagine and make happen ourselves. And we do give to you uh, the desolate situations in our own lives uh, and the desolate situation at St James where things are not uh, as we might want them. And Jesus, we say we have no more wine. We look to you for your intervention, for your instruction and for your miraculous power. Lord, through this week, would you help us to take time to pray and listen for what you are saying to us. And we give you permission to give us your instructions that we might see your kingdom come and your will be done in Alperton as in heaven. We ask this, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Thank you very much for watching. Uh, stay safe. God bless. Uh, and we'll see you soon. Bye bye.